0: When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. I'm Carl Dukes. Put them up along with my man Brian Baldinger and Jason four is a part of this podcast as well. Guys, we're here. We're here. It's Super Bowl. Ten days from now, Super Bowl. We're counting down and I can't wait. I think we're going to get a great game. Eagles, Chiefs, I don't think anybody could argue, Baldy, that we got the two best teams that are remaining. But before we get into what we saw last week, there have been some coaching hires in the NFL. The big news across the planet yesterday was Tom Brady making the announcement that he is retiring for good. It was his words. It Mm -hmm. came directly from his mouth. He put out the video. And, Baldy, listen, I don't think we're ever going to see this again. No. I, I don't think we're going to see a guy play for 23 years, win seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs, have all of the records and be as good as Brady was for as long as he was. Yeah, I'm just wondering what you were thinking when you saw it and then where are you at as we start to reflect about this amazing career of Tom Brady?
1: Well, when I saw it, you know, I mean, obviously, it was, you know, the biggest news flash yesterday, which was uh, Wednesday. which We're, we're taking this on Thursday for everybody listening. But I, I I knew as soon as I saw it, it's real. Like, this isn't, okay, I'll be back in June, you know, highest bidder. Like, yeah. this is it. And I think for a couple of reasons. One, if you remember last year's retirement, it was kind of a botched thing. It, it didn't come from him. It came through sources. Then it leaked. Then he had to sort of, like, own up to it. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't think that's the way he wanted to do it. Um, and so when I, when we saw it yesterday, it was just him and a camera, you know, no glitz, you know, no uh, no graphics, just him. And I really feel part of when you are at that level, when you are the GOAT and all those kind of things, like when you when you look in the mirror and you know your performance is slipping, you, you don't have to be – you don't want to be told by somebody else. That last performance of his against Dallas in the playoff game was a bad performance, Carl. We've never – in fact, you know, they put it up on the screen. Like, that was his first red zone interception in, like, forever. And he was trying to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone and he got intercepted. And it was just an ugly throw, ugly play. If that was a, a rookie, we would go, oh, that's a rookie mistake. you got to learn. But it wasn't. It was Tom Brady making a mistake. And then, you know, if you go back earlier this year against Cincinnati, he was terrible. You know in the third quarter it was just one turnover after another it's just the stuff that you never see from him and i feel like that's nobody wants to stay too long at the party carl like you know nobody and I, I feel like that's what this was all about yesterday like the party has been great you know forget about beating father time and all those other cliches out there like he's looking in the mirror going i'm not the same guy mm. that i was even you know down 28-3 to the falcons i could bring us back. Like. I don't think he thinks he's that guy. I don't think if he went to the right situation with all the right players, that he could be that guy. And I think he's just – he owned up to it yesterday, and we're not going to see any look back going, um, I can still do this or anything like that, whether it's Fox or wherever he decides to go. He's going to have plenty of offers. Um, I think it was firm, and I think he did it the right way. I do too.
0: Baldy, I shared this story, and I'm curious to know if you have a story along the way over the years – um, the closest I've ever been to Brady I'm going back to old 203 it was after the second Super Bowl they won. Yeah. And there's a uh, a memorabilia company um that was called TriStar Productions and and I w- used to help those guys out and you know do yeah. some stuff at their shows and uh, their big signing company and they had Brady's um exclusive deal for for memorabilia at the time and okay. I'm not sure if they still do but Part of the deal was in the summer when the season was over, they'd go to different guys where they lived and they'd have them sign. And so at the time, again, Brady's early in his career. And I told this story on my show here in Atlanta, and and I'll probably tell it this weekend on on our national show, but it was the first time where you know I got a chance to actually be around him because the guys were like, hey, we're going to go up. Brady's going to sign a bunch of stuff for us. You want to come hang out? You want to get a chance to meet him? I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Now, you have to think about it and put it in this perspective, guys. It's the second Super Bowl. Nobody knows he's gonna win five more. Right. Sure. Okay. So if you're Brady, you're signing all this stuff going, hey, yeah, you know, if I ever get back, maybe not. But if I don't, hey, I'm a two-time Super Bowl champion. I've won multiples. I'm good. Yeah. So the idea of what we now know about his career and doing, you know, during that period was completely different. So we go up, and this just speaks to the obsession of winning. And I saw this firsthand and I didn't know it would last as long as it would ball. Right. So we get there super cool. You know, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. We're just chopping up about different things. There's no Giselle at that time. Okay. Right. I mean, all the, all the things you think about now. And so he signs all these balls and he's signing stuff and we're just talking and he's a, seems like a really cool dude. And again, I'm around him for hours at that point, maybe just a few hours, but I literally remember saying, so what are you going to do? You know, this off season. Because at that point, I was talking to a lot of younger guys in the league who were like, "Oh, I'm going to Cancun, and yeah. I'm going to go here, yeah, and sure. I'm going, you know." And they're partying yeah. and having a good time. And Brady says, "I'll take a week off, and I'll get back to work after two Super Bowls." Yeah, a week off, and yeah. I was like, "It didn't hit me then, Baldy, but I remember yeah. it so vividly. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, that's all you're gonna do. Like, you know, you're not going over." It. And we later found out when he got suspended for Deflategate. Him and Giselle went overseas for those four games that he was suspended. And that was like their honeymoon, right? He yeah. he, he talked about it on, you know, um, his documentary. And my point is, guys, his work ethic, his obsession for winning, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's off the charts. So here was a guy completely dedicated. And Baldy, you know, he changed his body. I mean, that TB12 stuff, he went from a guy that was kind of chubby and, you know, yeah. wasn't completely cut to like, I'm going to be in shape every year and, yeah. and I'm going to be ready. So I share that just to say that was his mindset. And that was his mindset 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we all have stories. I remember uh, talking to Ryan Jensen uh, two years ago and it was during a pandemic, you know, when he signed. And so there wasn't any formal workouts. They were going, meeting at high school fields and, you know, and, and putting workouts together and he's getting to know the guys and all that kind of stuff. And, So Ryan Jensen, he's the center. So, you know, Brady, you know, they they knew each other, but, you know, not like teammates. And so literally they'd meet at these high school fields every day. And every day, Brady would literally give almost a 30-minute dissertation on the ball and snapping the ball, wet ball, goal line, uh, where the towel has to be, you know, on Ryan's uh, backside. Like, it was just – Ryan just thought, like, I'm just snapping the ball, but not to Brady. Like, it was, okay, down the goal line, when you got to step hard, right, this is what I, this is how I ride you. Like, it was, like, literally, when you talk about the details, Mm. the details are what separated him. And it always is, you know, the the great ones, Michael Jordan. I mean, you put that, you know, level of company up there. It always comes down, Kobe, just put, put together the group. Like, it's in the details and in the work ethic and what you described as the obsession of winning. And that's what separates you know, the good from the great. And then to do it over the period of time that he did it. It's really remarkable. And I, I'm with you, Carl. I don't think we'll see anything like that ever again. 10
0: Super Bowls, 10. Guys, Patrick Mahomes just played in his fifth AFC championship game. He's got one. I mean, you know, it's, he's he was seven and three in Super Bowls. I mean, this is, yeah. It's, it's unreal. And, and listen, I was a Montana guy and still am just because yeah. that's the guy that shaped me watching football and going, he's unbelievable. He doesn't lose. He's so clutch. And then comes along Brady. And, yeah. I, you know, for me, listen, Montana was still special. 4-0 in Super Bowls, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions in the playoffs. But you got to give Brady his due. All right, Baldy, we got to shift gears, man. It's uh, in the huddle, guys. Like us. Subscribe. We put out new episodes on Tuesday and Thursdays as we count down to the Super Bowl. Next week, we will dive in to the the the, the minutia of what kind of matchups are going to be key in this game. We'll get into all of that. But we want to talk about what the Eagles were able to do to the 49ers. And, and I thought this was a dominant performance. I know they were without Brock Purdy, but... It was almost like you know Shanahan was playing with one arm, right? Once Purdy went down, you, you just couldn't do anything. And the Eagles were like, oh, they pinned their ears back and Baldy, they started coming.
1: Well, they did. And um, you know, there's a play in the game, Carl, um, where the Eagles, the Eagles played largely a five-man defensive front. And I, I didn't think San Francisco handled it well, even for the six plays that Brock Purdy was in there. But one of the plays, the five guys that were on the field, uh, Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, and Josh Sweat, they have combined this year, Carl, for 64 sacks, those five guys. So we saw what Hassan Reddick did. You know, like you could put Tyler Croft, the tight end, on a bootleg and try to keep him away, but, you know, Brock Purdy held that ball probably a half a second too long, but that's all it took for Hassan to get there. And put that hit on him. And I thought there was a you know on the opening drive of the game. I know I know Kyle came out and said I, I thought about challenging the fourth and three throw to, to Devontae Smith that got him inside the ten yard line. But I, I just we didn't get enough angles. And but I watched the play and I'm watching Devontae Smith do this as soon as he got up and he's and he knew that he trapped the ball. Everybody's got a signal, and I just thought the reaction of Devontae getting up as soon as he saw uh, the, the field judge. Signal that it was a catch. Like, he, he just started running. Like, they had it all in place, Philadelphia. Now you got a signal. We're going fast. We're going to beat the challenge. And I thought, boy, if if Kyle challenges that, they're going to win the challenge. Right. The Eagles aren't going to score in their opening drive. And the 49ers get in the ball 0-0 at their 35. And maybe Brock Purdy never gets hit the way he did. You know, maybe it's a totally different game. I mean, you could say, what if, you know. a, lot but, that's of- a but that's a big moment. It's a big moment, it is, and you know, Kyle could say, Well, he was early in the game and didn't want to lose time out. All those things are, are valid, except the reaction said, Throw the flag, Th- throw the flag. It's the opening drive, they're going to be inside the 10. Maybe they score a touchdown down seven, nothing in, in, in front of all these crazy fans. Like, I, you know, I, I don't want to play Monday morning quarterback with Kyle, but like, you have to see these things. You just yeah. do. You can't. I remember Mike Holmgren when he won his Super Bowl with Green Bay down in New Orleans. His big thing was you can't let anything slip through the cracks, you know. And I felt like that slipped through the cracks right there, Carl. Like yeah. that moment, like you know, you you could be the play caller, you could be the head coach, you do all these things, but in that moment, you got to see Devonte getting up off the ground and what he's doing. I agree. I, I thought it was. It's it's one of those moments that people
0: will just say, well, the Eagles just dominated, but it could have turned the game one way or the other. It's a huge moment. And I'm glad you pointed it out because I don't think we can dismiss that. And let me say this. Listen, I love Kyle Shanahan. He's a hell of a coach, but he's been in these big games. And there have been moments like this where we can now start to say, OK, Kyle, you know, we not even go back to Super Bowl 51, you know, Dan Quinn and, and, and say, hey, we're running the football here. and We're going to kick a field goal and, and maybe it's a ball game. Yeah, but but you look at the history and you start to say these moments that stand out that had to do with a decision like what you're talking about or how I can you know move the game or change the game in a way that that keeps it in our favor. Baldy, I want to ask you about Jalen Hurts while we're talking about the Eagles. I, I call him a smooth, soft-spoken assassin. Yeah, that's what I think he is. Right? Mm-hmm. You talk to him and he's always like right here. He's just you know I'm, yeah, yeah he's just been working out. Never man. about
1: himself. Always about the team. And, yeah. <sighs> Damn, he's good, though. Yeah. He's really good. And You know what? It's, uh, it's interesting. Like, I, I post something. You know, back in the draft three years ago, the Eagles had the 53rd pick, and I, I was a proponent of drafting with the fifty. I didn't know that, you know, Carson Wentz was going to sure. fizzle. I mean, I wasn't predicting any of that, but I thought the 53rd pick, this is a guy that you want on your roster. You know, like, he didn't run from Alabama when he got benched and helped him win a SEC championship the following year and improved with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. All these things, I just thought, like, this could be a bigger, stronger Russell Wilson. Mm. And that's kind of what he looks like right now. He looks like a bigger, stronger Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson in, in you know, his heyday. Um, well, well, maybe he gets back. I don't know. But, you know, and so just being around him a little bit, he's just an unusual guy from the standpoint that um, he's so mature at such an early age. And but what happens when you're – overly mature and one of the reasons why you are mature is you're just a great decision maker and i feel like in his personal life on the field he's a great decision maker you can't get him to make bad decisions carl that's what defense's job that's what kansas city's job is that's what Spags's job is that's what yeah. san francisco's job was to get him to turn it over and make a bad decision he didn't make a bad decision he didn't really say okay missed a couple throws all right everybody does but like he didn't make a bad decision in the game he didn't put the ball on the ground. He didn't throw the ball up for grabs. Like, you know, he made good decisions in that game. And he's like everything goes through him, whether it's the RPO, whether it's, you know, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's a run pass option type situation, whatever it might be. His decision making is really, really good. He's lost one game this year as a starter. Um, You know, you can't get him to make bad decisions, Carl. That's what separates him right now. It is, um,
0: and again, is he the MVP? If he doesn't get hurt, maybe. But my nice choice. I agree. I just thought with what he was doing during this season, it was one of the most dominant seasons I've seen. I mean, the rushing touchdowns included, and that—that's well, a whole other. Touchdowns.
1: I mean, you, know, you could say, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes threw forty-something touchdown passes. Okay, they, he threw two hundred more passes. You know, they're a passing team. The Eagles are a running team, but you know, you set a record for rushing fifteen. Any running back would take would love to have 15 touchdowns on their resume zeke would love to have 15 yes you know like you give me a running back derek henry would like to have 15 rushing touchdowns on his resume this is a quarterback that is also throwing you know for 20 plus touchdowns like it's just a remarkable remarkable feat that he's doing all right so the chiefs win um
0: you know we could definitely talk about you know what happened with cincinnati Their inability to block. I mean, it showed up, right, in this game, Baldy. It didn't show up against the Bills, but this is what you do. I mean, you break this stuff down all the time. Where was the breakdown? What did Spags do against them? And I'm curious to know if you think it will be a similar type game plan as to how they attack the Eagles.
1: Well, the thing that was amazing, so they lose, the Chiefs lose their best corner on the fourth play of the game, LeJarrius Sneed. All right, you know, I don't know whether it's concussion or, you know, just jammed his neck. I don't exactly remember that. But, you know, he, so their best corner goes in. He's lined up on, uh, you know, Jamar Chase on the play, and he goes in there to make a tackle, and he's out of the game. So they replace him with the rookie, Joshua Williams. So that was in, in addition to Jalen Watson, a rookie, Trent McDuffie, a rookie, Brian Cook, a rookie. They played four rookies. Now, this is Joe Burrow, That's and right. we all thought going into the game, maybe this is the gold standard of quarterbacks. And when you combine it with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, maybe this trio is as good as there is in business right now. And it would be hard to argue with that. And there's all these rookies on the field. And Washington <laughs> gets an interception. you know, And Williams gets an interception. And I go, Spags is playing four rookies in a secondary in addition to Carl Optus, Leo Chanel, They're playing six rookies on defense, Carl. It's crazy. Now, they have one star player in Chris Jones, one. But you've got four rookies out there. I, my game plan was, man, I'm going after Watson. I'm going after Trent McDuffie. I'm going to wear these rookies out. Well, they couldn't do it. That's full credit to Spash, to Andy Reid, to the staff, to you know the whole scouting thing, that you got these rookies on the field against Joe Burrow and these receivers, and they're holding up. Not just holding up, but they're taking a the ball away.
0: It, it's a great point, Baldy. I don't think people realize the Chiefs draft class – Nine of the 10 draft picks, nine of the 10 played significant time this year. And yeah. then you just broke down what they did in the championship game. The major contributors, we're not talking about a few snaps. No, These guys were, they were counted on to get the job done. So I only point that out to say you hit in the draft. You know, we talked about, you can talk about Mahomes and Kelsey and all that. You hit in the draft because you've had major contributions from a rookie class, from multiple guys as you move forward mahomes is going to only get better yeah. kelsey's not going anywhere you hope to get better wide receivers but these guys are going to be major contributors well,
1: but if you look on the other side of the ball now isaiah pacheco's their starting running back he's solid look, by the at, way. look at the punt return of sky Moore with 40 seconds to go in the game 29 yards to get them in a position to run for a first down get knocked out of bounds being field goal range i mean their rookie class is unbelievable. And but you can say the same thing, you know, the year before the Rams win, and, you know, you're looking at, okay, Cooper Cup was a mid-round pick, and Nick Scott is a starting safety, and he's the seventh-round pick out of Penn State. Like, the trend is, and you know, and we got the Senior Bowl going on this weekend, Carl, and all these, you know, East-West Shrine, all these games have been going on. I announced the Hula Bowl a couple weeks ago. Like, you need to fortify your roster with rookies that can contribute, not waiting two years. Sometimes you have to wait two on a certain guy. But, I mean, they're getting contra- – I mean, those Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, like Trent McDuffie, they play practically every snap in that game. You know, It's not like they're going in there on the nickel and they're giving you 15 snaps. They're right. out there every play, <laughs> and they're holding up against these guys, and, and the ball's not going over their head. So, um, I you know, at one point Spags dropped eight, and he literally had three double teams – on the Bengal receivers. And then the last double team was a bracket with Brian cook and, and Joshua Williams. And that's the one that, that uh, cook tipped up and Williams intercepted, you know, on T Higgins. Like it's, it's hard to, to execute three double teams on a play. And they did that with largely rookies. So not only do they draft well, but they've coached them up well. And now they're, they're really contributing.
0: So Baldy, if you are
1: spags,
0: you got a lot of time here. You know the Eagles run the, the football like crazy, right? And, and they're not going to go away from their identity. They're going to still attempt to run it. But do, do you attempt to stack the box if you're if you're Kansas City and say I want to see Jalen Hurts beat us over the top? Now I I know he's capable <laughs> with those wide receivers, but you got to take something away. And if you're Kansas City, you can't allow the Eagles right to just run it down our throats because then it's going to open up everything else. I'm just thinking about if I'm spags. What do I want to take over? Like, what's the biggest thing we've got to at least slow down? And then I'm thinking, all right, Jalen Hurts is going to have to win this Super Bowl, right? Am I am I thinking right?
1: Well, it's interesting. There's a play in the game against San Francisco. And they're in the they're in the red zone. They're like at the eight-yard line or something of San Francisco's. And the call for from D'Amico Ryan's and the 49ers is don't rush. A four-man line. And literally they just stand there. And this is Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, like guys that hunt quarterbacks for a living. <laughs> like literally, they just stayed there at the line of scrimmage, and they just challenged Jalen to run. And then the longer he held it, the the more they they covered the receivers. The receivers just kind of broke down. He ended up throwing the ball into the dirt. So he so, so they're that. not getting up field. They didn't even try. Okay, they would try to like nobody even. They just stayed there. And they're just waiting for Jalen to break the pocket and take off. And then they, but he just stayed there. He was as patient as they were. And I think Spag's going to look at that play and going, that might be a pretty good changeup. Maybe, you know, showing Max look, dropping eight. That might be a good look with maybe two spies. I mean, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton can, um, you know, they can run as well as any linebackers. You know, they, they you got to have somebody that's as fast as Jalen if you're going to spy him. I, mean, I, I think that you're going to get a lot of changeups. I can see Spag's going to a four-man defensive line in the first quarter, three-man defensive line in the second quarter. I can see them changing up quarter to quarter, have completely different game plans for the first half, second half. Like, I don't think it's just one game plan that Spags is going to have. He When he does blitz, like he does a lot of late stemming. So you'll see, for example, like in Eagles, Isaac Sayamalo is the right guard for the Eagles. And when Jalen's in shotgun, he's the one that's looking back at the quarterback going, okay, you're ready. He'll tap Kelsey the center. And then Kelsey will give a silent count or, you know, uh, they all have their their counts. But Spags will look at all that and then then he'll do a late stem. Like they got Willie Gay on a sack and he was really late going from the inside linebacker to lining up and then blitzing off the edge. And he came free and he hit Joe Burrow. Like I can see Spags doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Late stemming, a lot of a lot of looks and um, trying to keep um, them confused as long as possible about what they're doing.
0: All right. Uh, and again, guys, it's in the huddle. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four are part of this podcast as well. We appreciate you guys being here. We talk all things football. All things, all right. And we're gonna talk about some of these coaching hires in just a second. And again, we'll break down the Super Bowl in detail much more next week, but we're just kind of getting a feel as to what these guys are game planning for and what they're looking at. One other thing I want to ask you about. Nobody's done it. Every time I'm watching Kansas City, he's freaking open. And that's Kelsey. I mean, I I don't know what he does. I don't know how it happens, Baldy. It's like, is anybody covering this dude? Every time I look, he's open. So what do you do with Kelsey? Are they going to have to double-team Kelsey in this game?
1: Well, you can try. I mean, he he moves every play. So it's hard to double-team him every play. But even in his touchdown catch last week against Cincinnati, Carl, like I don't really even know what the play was. He had three receivers. (laughs) almost had three receivers to the right. Kelsey was one of the three receivers. And they're just running – just a roll right protection. So they got two tight ends, and they're just sliding the protection, and Mahomes is just kind of rolling out. And honestly, it's not even a route that Kelsey runs. He runs into the end zone. Somehow the Bengals are kind of late picking him up. Jesse Bates ends up picking him up. And and Mahomes just sees that there's just Jesse Bates and and Kelsey in the end zone. And, you know, Bates is kind of close to him, and then Mahomes just throws it away from him let Kelsey go get it. Like it was just that easy, but I don't even know if it was a play. Mm. Because a lot of the times, if, so what happens is, if you play Kansas City man to man, and Mahomes sees you turning your backs and running with the receivers, I man, that just gives the Mahomes the green light to take off and run. Right. So most teams try to play Kansas City in in a zone look, which is smart. And all Kelsey does when it comes off the line of scrimmage is like, okay, where's the soft spot in the zone? Where's everybody dropping? Where where are they expanding to? And I'll just go to. the the most vacant area. And I'll just kind of turn around. I'll wait on the ball. And if Mahomes is looking someplace else, I'll move. And when I move, I know Mahomes is going to move. And I swear he's caught 21 passes. Now in these two postseason games against Jacksonville last week in Cincinnati, over half of them, 11 of them now are for first downs or touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and those plays, a lot of them aren't even designed plays, Carl. They're just like Kelsey, just kind of finding the dead spot, the open spot, and just kind of settling. And he's really good after the catch. Like, he, he kind of knows where to turn, which way the, the, the pressure's coming at him or the is coming at him. He goes the other way. Um, you know, he's still big and fast and he's got a great first step. And he gets yards after the catch.
0: Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Dude is really talented. He's one of the best we've seen to do it. And uh, I'm curious to see how that matchup is going to play out. We'll dive more into that next week. Before we get out of here, let's talk about some of these coaching hires, Baldy, because it's been a busy week. All right, so Sean Payton's going to be the next coach of the Broncos. Did they want him and not want him? Did they (laughs) want D'Amico Ryans? And Ryans was like, I'm going to Houston. And they went, oh, crap, we got to go get Sean Payton. Either way, he ends up there. And they end up giving up picks, which I didn't think they wanted to do. But it's okay. I think they got the better – guy for their situation, right? They got to get that offense right. 16 points offense, a game. Right. But It's one it's one of the worst offenses in the league. So what do you think about Peyton going to Denver? Well,
1: I mean, first of all, I don't know if D'Amico was, you know, choice number one. He goes to Houston. Okay, what are we doing? Here's uh, choice number two. I, mean, I just remember the Eagles. They wanted Brandon Staley bad. They wanted, um, you know, your coach down Atlanta really bad. Those yep. were the first two picks. And then they started like scrambling and, and interviewing everybody. And then, you know, um, Andy Weidel, Nick Sirianni, and Andy's now in Pittsburgh, but he was in Philadelphia. And like, what about Nick Sirianni? And they're like, well, what about him? Like, and they called him. He was on the golf course down in Florida. And Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, they're all down in West Palm Beach. Next thing you know, here comes, you know, Nick Sirianni and a pair of golf shorts. And he shows up for an interview. So like, the point is, like, OK, you, you can want D'Amico or you could want so-and-so. Doesn't mean like that's the right choice. So Nick Sirianni was the right choice. I don't know that okay. anybody, Staley or, you know, Arthur, you know, Smith would. I don't know if any of those guys would have been better choices. That's number one. Number two, look, Sean Payton is a proven coach. Um, he's got a really good defense. That helps him a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll see what his staff looks like. That's going to be important. Um, but he's got to get Russell Wilson right, you know, and he's got to get him in an offense where he really understands – Spacing, he understands the screen game, he understands all the things that Sean likes to do, and uh, and all the late night game planning that goes into it. Um, if you're going up against Aaron Donald, how are you going to handle Aaron Donald? Like all the things that Sean Payton is great at, it seems like that's exactly what Russell Wilson needs. Like, and I'm not saying that he didn't have that last year or he didn't have it in Seattle, but everything that I've ever heard is he wants to burn the midnight oil, he wants yeah. to be in the game plan meetings, he wants to. So he's going to get what I think he craves from Sean Payton.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what happened with Nathaniel Hackett. He ends up as the OC with the Jets. I don't know if we will ever know, but I will say this. The pressure's on Russ to get it done. Because if it doesn't work with Sean, it's you.
1: Yep. All right? Nathaniel
0: was here. He's gone, now Sean comes in here, and if if this offense looks like crap and you're still, you know, you're you're having a bad season, 16 touchdown passes this last year for for Russell Wilson, that's a joke compared to what we've seen
1: him do in Seattle. but I'll say this, though, Carl, I've always believed this. Um, Coaching matters. It does. Okay? And it's a difference in this league. But as a player, I'm not letting bad coaching or inferior coaching stop me from being a great player. So you can say, okay, Nate Hackett, you know, he's not up to it, Whatever. OK, it's on the quarterback, still yeah. the quarterback to want to be great and to figure things out or or the right guard or whatever. You want to be a great player. You'll figure out how to be a great player. And I think that's where Russell Wilson is at right now. Now, the fact that he's united, you know, with basically a Hall of Fame coach and Sean Payton. Um, you're right. If he can't play at a high level this year, then it's on Russell.
0: Nathaniel Hackett, is he better as an OC? Is he better as a a coordinator than a head coach? I mean, look, it's a year sample space. We've seen guys get fired in these situations, leave, go have success success elsewhere, and you go, well, it didn't work there. It doesn't mean he's not a head coach. I don't want to label him, but Baldy, it was an uninspiring hire for me with the Jets. I I didn't feel like that moved the needle. If I'm a Jets fan, and we've talked about the Jets a lot because there's a lot to talk about, it didn't move, it didn't do anything for me. I mean, when I heard that Robert Sala was going to hire him, I know they have a history and that matters. And they work together in Jacksonville. But I was like, it just it, it didn't get me like excited that, oh, hey, Zach Wilson's going to take the next yeah. step, you know?
1: Well, I'm with you. I mean, I'm an eight Hackett fan, but it's hard to after. I mean, Denver was the worst offensive football, so it's hard if you're a jet fan going, do do we screw up again? I mean, because we just have this history of screwing (laughs) up, right? They go, do we screw up? I mean, every jet fans going, we just screw up again. We just got the offensive, the head coach of the worst offensive football. Like, why is that good? You know? And so they got to make it work. They got a ton of young talent, Uh, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. There's just a ton of really good young players there. They deserve a really bright offensive line. Now, you know, the immediate speculation was, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Well, all right, maybe he does. I'm not exactly in love with Aaron Rodgers going anywhere because the guys I just mentioned, Elijah Garrett, Brees, they're 21 year old kids, 22 year old kids. Yeah. And I just don't know if they're going to look at a 40 year old quarterback regardless of what his name is and go, boy, I can't wait to work with them because they like if, I, if, if Aaron Rodgers is in play in New York, the first thing, I'm if I'm Joe Douglas or if I'm Robert Sala and I'm thinking about making the move to Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, OK, look, we'll bring you on. But I, we need you here every day. Like I, I need you here in the building every day. We got a bunch of young guys. We're, we're going to build our timing right now. April, May, June, the way Aikman did with Michael Irvin every day out there at Valley Ranch in Dallas and the way so many other quarterbacks has. You can't say, OK, well, go down and have your fun in Peru and South America, do what you do. Or go to Hawaii for two months and we'll see you in June. Like, you can't do that. Like, he's, I think it hurt to Green Bay. And I, I could be speaking completely wrong here, but I, I think the offseason with young players makes a big difference. I know Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia was there every day, Carl, every day. Like, and he was running with these guys, lifting with these guys around Devontae, around AJ. Like, he was there every day with them. And that that makes a big difference.
0: It matters. Baldy, and and this is a sidebar, and I got to ask you about Vic Fangio and and, and D'Amico Ryans here, but this is why the San Francisco quarterback situation is such a big deal now. You're not, if, if Purdy's out six months, you're missing OTAs, you're missing all that work, okay, I'm going through here, that you need to really prepare for this season. Guys can talk about, oh, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. When you're a young quarterback, and you're trying to build that continuity and the chemistry, and you're trying to build, hey, I'm right. gonna be the leader, you you have to be there. So you've got Trey Lance coming off of an injury, and you got Purdy. And all of a sudden now, OTAs and all this stuff that they say doesn't matter, it does. And and you'll get you roll around and you get to camp and, and that work hasn't been done, and now it puts you behind
1: the eight ball. So I, I totally agree with you. I think well, I mean, the Purdy situation is pretty interesting to me because <clears throat> if you get the Tommy John surgery which is one of the recommendations you're out a year like you might not even play this year we know baseball and all yep. the guys have had it it's it's a year recovery if you go if you take another route maybe no surgery or a different type of surgery you could say six months but in that case you still don't know if you're going to get a healthy elbow or not you know so, you know a lot of times like i for example i had the jones fracture in my foot one year and we tried to fuse it just in a walking boot and, you know, I, I did that for three months, and it didn't heal one bit. Mm. And so, so three months later, then I get the surgery. So, <laughs> so now, you, you're three, yes. now you're three months behind. And you're like, why didn't I just get the surgery to begin with? You know, then I'll be on a better schedule. So, those, so that's part of the issue. But, yes, San Francisco right now is in a very precarious position. If You almost feel like they have to go outside and find a quarterback for the offseason and to start the season if these guys aren't going to be ready.
0: No doubt. D'Amico Ryan's a good fit. I know he said he wanted to go back home. Listen, I think the Texans have been a joke as far as the front office and how they've handled things. I know they've hired black coaches, but they've also fired black coaches literally the next year. My my trepidation, Baldy, is are they really going to give this guy a shot? Are they going to give him three years?
1: Well, every coach, if you're going to hire a guy, you have to give him three years. Otherwise, you did a bad job. You did a bad job in the whole hiring process. Now, there's nobody out there that's saying that D'Amico Ryan's isn't ready and isn't a good hire. I can't. We we won't know until he he you know puts the whistle around his neck and he takes charge. We got to see what his staff looks like. Sure, but that looks like a like a mountain to climb. That I mean, culture, talent. Yep. You know, every time you're one and done, does Laramie Tunsel want to be there? I, you know, I mean, there's just. Who, who, like, okay, Jalen Petrie had a good rookie season. Like, what are you building around? Does the general manager know what he's doing? Like, these are just fair questions. Because you can't say that, you know, the hires that they've made were good hires. And I'm not saying Lovey Smith or David, you know, wasn't good. But you, you blew them out before they could ever really put a footprint in that building. And so uh, it looks awfully dysfunctional. From the outside, and that's probably not fair. Like I, I remember Bobby Stoops was told me one time he was coaching with Steve Spurrier at University of Florida, and there was a bunch of jobs came open, and he interviewed, and he didn't get the jobs, and he was a little bummed out. Steve told him, Bobby Stoops, he goes, you know, not every job is the right job. Mm-hmm. And the next year he waited, he got the Oklahoma job. And he was there for twenty years. Like I don't know if Houston's a good job. It's home, and it's all that kind of stuff. That's great. I don't know if it's a good job for D'Amico because I I, I want to see him get at least three years to turn it around.
0: That's how I feel. Kellen Moore out as the Cowboys OC scapegoat because Mike McCarthy's now going to call the plays.
1: Yeah. It, to, to a degree. Um, I thought it was odd. Be honest with you. Mike has always been the play caller always. And so when he came in and he got the job, all right, here's your offense coordinator. Well, all right. Is that, does it have to be because Jerry said so like, I, I don't know how they work together, you know. Um, I don't know the innovate like just how they uh, had you know, internal discussions about what's the best game plan and, and how you collaborated. I don't. I. I don't. I'm not access. I don't have any access to any of that. Um, yeah, he could be a scapegoat. Look, I mean, the bottom line is Dak has to play play better. And if you just look around the league right now in all the openings for offense coordinators or head coaches. In every situation, Carl, you can point to the quarterback going, "Boy, that was that was a problem." You can look in Washington. You can look at head coaches in India. You can look at all these places. The quarterback position was a failure in every one of these positions, and that's just a that's just a fact of life right now. If your quarterback isn't in the top ten or fifteen quarterbacks in the league, you're as a coordinator, you're getting fired as a head coach, you're going to end up getting fired.
0: All right, Baldy, before we get out of here, in the huddle, subscribe, guys. We're back next week. It's all about the Super Bowl. Baldy's going to be out there. It's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Vic Fangio has yet to sign his deal with the Dolphins. What do you know? Is something going on there? Because it was reported that he was going to be the new D.C. Is something kind of weird? What's happening?
1: Well, I mean, D'Amico goes to Houston. So there's an opening for a defensive coordinator in San Francisco. And, you know, Vic had the number one defensive football in San Francisco. They led the league in takeaways one year with Justin Smith and Alden Smith, like all those guys. And so that was the
0: Harbaugh years, right? The Harbaugh years. years, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So are you, you know, is Vic going, okay, I can go to Miami and they've got talent. The quarterback situation is up in the air, but I could go to 49ers and I've got the number one defensive football and all I got to do is maintain it or tweak it. Yeah. Um, that that's just me from ten thousand feet, Carl.
0: Absolutely, it makes you no know, right. sense. I'm, I'm not
1: in any of these buildings. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking for any like Adam Schefter and all these guys. They can go do all that work. That's not what I want to do. But to me, when I saw D'Amico go and leave San Francisco, Vic did a great job in San Francisco, and I think Vic is a, is a really good defense coordinator. He was in yeah. Chicago, a lot of different places, but um, to me, if I was Vic. And I had a choice between Miami and San Francisco. I'd go to San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I met Vic back when he was uh, with Dom Capers, and yeah. Dom was great. And those two guys, defensive minds. I mean, I learned a lot around those guys. And yeah. and, and he's really good. I mean, listen, he didn't he didn't do well in Denver as a head coach. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator.
1: So and every and every player, Khalil Mack. I mean, just oh. Justin Smith. You talk to anybody that's ever played. You know, Von Miller. You talk to any guys that have played for him. They'll tell you like he keeps it simple, but. It's really effective. And so wherever he goes, the defense gets better. That's just his track record. I, I, look, I, I was in Philadelphia. We went to New Orleans, beat the Saints in the Super Bowl a, a, in a playoff game one time. And there's Vic coaching the Dome Patrol in New Orleans. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, uh, the Dome Patrol was like, that was a hell of a group. And, you know, that was, that was Vic's, you know, stamp on that team. That was Mills, right? The, uh, that was the Mills yeah. defense. Yep. Yep. Sure was. Yeah. yeah, he was a
0: hell of a player. That Jackson, year, yeah. yeah, the linebacking core was great. Baldy, you're great. Appreciate you, man, as always. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're checking us out, giving us a chance. Guys, we're going to roll through the offseason. There's going to be so much to talk about, so many offseason stories. We we'll try to give you some inside perspective and also take you inside the huddle. So we'll do it again next week, Tuesday, Thursday. Subscribe, like us. We appreciate you guys being here. Baldy, have a great day, man. Enjoy, okay. and yep. we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Carl.